Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. This is our story. And I tell you, it's been an amazing treat for my wife and I to go back all the way to the beginning of time with our children so that our children have a recollection, a recollection and also an understanding of God. This is why this is important, family, because when your children and including not children, but also ourselves, when we understand God, we understand ourselves. And this series is taking us back. I'm excited about that. I hope you are as well. And I encourage you just to continue reading ahead, continue gathering with your family, because you know what the world's trying to do? Trying to keep our kids doing this. Video games, text messages, and not just our kids, but also me. Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, all these different devices that we're keeping our eyes on to where our eyes are on the devices and our eyes aren't on God and our eyes aren't on one another. I want to see you. I want to see my family. I want to see my children. I want to see my wife. And I tell you, in that moment, I get an opportunity to put everything aside and we talk about the word of God because that's the most important thing for my family. We want to be able to feed our spirits because this earth suit will be gone soon. But our spirit lives on for eternity, right? So once again, let's get excited. Let's get into the word of God. We uh, encouraged you on last week, uh, this week's Bible reading. It was from Genesis, the sixth chapter through the ninth chapter. And I'm telling you, I had, I wrestled with trying to put this thing together because it's a lot of chapters, so much great information that I wrestled with what do God, what do you want me to give your people? Give me a word, God. Show me a word so that I can speak to your people and it will be clear to them. They'll have a further understanding of who you are and let's all grow together. And in this word, we're going to talk about Noah and the flood. What an interesting passage. What a great passage, one that I've read over and over again. But I can tell you, family, this week I've gotten new revelation. God has given me some insight. He's opened my eyes to some things. And I'm telling you, when you read the word of God, there's always something new and refreshing that God puts on your heart. So I want you to turn with me if you have your devices or you just want to simply look at the screens. Obviously, I'm not going to read all four chapters for you. We'd be in here for a while. So we're going to see if we can break this down for you. Just follow with me. Let's start off with Genesis, the sixth chapter, and let's go with verse three. And it reads, then the Lord said, my spirit will not remain with man forever because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Now, before I go any further, some of us may be thinking, well, man is only going to live to 120 years. What God is saying, and you'll see further, we'll explain this, is before God sends his judgment, man has 120 years left to live. 
Let's keep on reading. Let's go to verse 5 and through 9. And if you see those words um, in italics, please go ahead and uh, read that with me. The Lord, the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Genesis 6, 11 through 13. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Thank you, Vic. That's some tough reading. And I want to ask you this question, family. Has someone ever pushed you to the point where you simply had enough? The point of no return. The point of severe frustration and disappointment. I, I think some of us in the room just driving down on South Union Street, you might get fed up with somebody for one second. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you that God was frustrated with his creation. God's most prized possession, which is man and woman, pushed him to the point of no return. And we get to witness God's character in this story. We get to witness God's character when man is at his worst point. Now, you know when you know a man's character? When you test him. When things are going right, you see a good man. I mean, when things are going right in your life, oh, Pastor Martin, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. But what happens when things get tough? Is there some consistency in our character when things get tough? And in chapter 6, we get an opportunity to see our God when things get tough and his creation, they're doing any and everything, and we get an opportunity to see who God truly is. And I believe once we know who God is, we'll also know who we are. When you look at God's judgment, listen to this. God's judgment was based on centuries of careful observation of man's corruption, sexual perversion, 
degradation of marriage, demonic activity, violence, and evil, right? And this was no hasty decision to bring judgment upon the human race. God said, I am going to wipe this human race out. He was fed up. He was tired. He was disgusted with how human beings were acting. But I want you to understand this. Careful observation. God didn't just act in haste. He just didn't fly off the seat of his pants or just emotional decision, right? Careful observation. From Adam all the way to Noah, I want you to understand this was probably over 1,500 years, probably over nine generations. So God is what? He's looking at the human race. He's not just a quick judgment, but he's given a judgment observing, he's examining, he's looking with intent. So some of us, when we make judgment on people, it's because they did something wrong to us, what? One time. Oh, that, oh Johnny, he's no good. Johnny never going to make it. Why would we even talk to him? God says, no, I'm looking throughout centuries. I'm looking at the trends of these people. And I'm making a judgment based on what I see and what I observe because I am a just God. God also announced a 120-year window for repentance before bringing judgment on the people. So God said, I'm going to, listen, I'm going to strike y'all, but I'm going to give you a, a second chance. And how many times in our lives God has given us not just a second chance, Another chance, another chance, another chance. And can we be grateful that God is such a kind and merciful God? Come on, church. Can we give our God some praise? I want you to understand that God's judgment matched the sin. The sin was great, so the judgment was great. And, and many people come and say, well, Pastor Myron, why would God create people and then kill people? I want you to understand that his judgment, it wasn't based on that. It was based on our human, uh, our human interactions. It was based on what we were doing. God didn't make the people do it. God didn't make me sin. When I was living in the pits of hell in sin, he didn't make me do that. You know who chose to do that? I did. I did. But you know, the, the inclination of man, just like Adam and Eve, the inclination of man is to blame somebody else. My wife made me do it. It, it was that other person's fault. And today God is just telling us, hey, you've got to take accountability for yourselves, but I'm going to give you some time because I love you. I'm going to give you some time to get this right. When human beings were at their worst, God gives us a glimpse of his character in chapter 6. And, and look at God's character. God, this is good, y'all. When I'm reading chapter 6, even through his judgment, I see that God loves us deeply. I, I see that God is patient. And I want to give a, paint a picture of the character of God, the true picture, because sometimes we paint God in a way and we give him human characteristics. God's ways are not like our ways. Even in judgment, 
He loves us. He's patient. However, he will not tolerate our wickedness, stubbornness, or disobedience forever. There are consequences to sin. A lot of times we minimize sin. Oh, just a white lie. Oh, don't worry about that. You didn't do much. Sin's real, y'all. Sin is a relationship breaker. I'll say that again. Sin is a relationship breaker. First of all, our relationship with God. Secondly, what about our relationship with mankind? How, how many times divorce and different things and even in families, uh, relationships have been destroyed because of sin, because of attitudes, because of doing something in an ungodly way, right? So let's not take sin lightly because God doesn't. Sin also brings sorrow to God's heart. We see that God loves us, but God is also sorrowful when he sees things among mankind. And I want you to understand God's regret is not targeted as his actions because it says God was sorry that he made us. He's not sorry or regretting that he made that of his actions because his actions were good. We remember in Genesis 1, he's everything that God made, he said what? It is It is good. But his regret are the actions of mankind. Even in God's coming judgment, God was still merciful. That's amazing. And, and mercy is simply God's pity, his compassion, and his kindness towards people. Man did everything wrong. And God still looked at man and loved the world. Sometimes people do us just a little wrong. And we never want to talk to them again. There have been some elements in the St. Landry Parish that different groups of people have been at each other's throats for centuries. And God looked at the people in Noah's day and for centuries, for centuries he observed because the wages of sin is death and he didn't kill them then. He loved them. He cared for them. He wanted to give them another chance and another chance and another chance. And there are times when somebody does something to us one time, we're done with them. I want you to see the heart of God, the mercy of God. And, and if you are a believer in Christ, which many of you are, we're trying to follow God's ways. But you have to know who your God truly is, right? Let's, I'm, we're painting a picture about who God truly is and his true character. The great thing about it as well is that God chose to save Noah. One man and his family. The whole earth is corrupt, doing all kind of crazy things. But, but one man, God says, no, no, I still have a purpose and a plan for mankind. I'm going to save this family. And after careful consideration, God decided to continue our story with a different and limited set of characters. Only Noah and his family were included in our new story. Thank God for Noah. I have a question for you. What convinced God to save Noah and his family from the flood? Because that's a great question, right? Why, why, why did God save Noah and his family? Number one, Noah stood up for what was right in spite of majority influence. God could trust him. 
A lot of times we're influenced by people. We talk to our kids. Don't be influenced by peer pressure. But it's not just children. Adults are influenced by peer pressure. God could trust Noah. He was faithful. So God could trust Noah with his purpose and his plans for the future. Let's look at Genesis 6, 8. It says, but God found favor. But no, I'm sorry. Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah found favor with the Lord. Who in here wants to have God's favor? I want God's favor. And let's look at verse 22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Noah was obedient, church. Noah just wasn't hearing what God had to say, but Noah was also putting it into application in his life, and God saw that. So it's not just coming here on a Sunday morning, you hear a good word, Pastor, thank you for that word, and all of a sudden, once that word hits your head, it never resonates to our heart. So what God is telling us in the church, yes, I've got a word for you. Yes, I want to bless you, but I also want you to be obedient to my word so that you can be fruitful in your lives. Come on, church. I know someone wants to be fruitful. Number two, what convinced God to save Noah and his family from the flood? Number two, Noah walked in close fellowship with God. Let's look at verse, verse nine. It says, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. One more time. He walked in. Believers should be exceptions in the midst of their sinful generation. Church, you should be the exception. If my family chooses evil, I'm going to be the exception. I love my wife to death. I love my wife until death do us part. But I will not risk my family if my wife was leading, him in, leading me in a way that was evil and was going against the will of God. If my wife tries to convince me of something that's not God's will, it's my responsibility as a man of God to come back and say, no! It stops right here. The buck stops right here. We're not going there. We're not going there because we love God too deeply to go there. If my race chooses evil, I will be the exception. It doesn't matter if the majority is going a certain way. I'm going to be the exception because I'm following Jesus. I'm following my father, right? If my politics chooses evil, I will be the exception. Let's not get quiet on this, church. Hey, listen, I know a lot of times we say, God, why, why keep talking about these things? You know why? Because the enemy is still moving. Oh, Pastor, let's go on. This is old stuff. Let's go. The enemy is still, is still scheming something in the future so that he can bring back to us, so he can cause divide. So we better keep on preparing. We can, we, listen, we have to keep reminding ourselves on what the word of God says so we can speak the word of God to an evil situation later on so that we're not convinced to start doing what the world does. If the majority chooses evil, I will be the exception. Can you say that? I'm the exception. I'm the exception. 
Noah was an exceptional man. Didn't, I didn't say he was perfect, but he was exceptional. Listen to this. These are, this is what happens when you're, in, when you're exceptional. Do y'all want to be exceptional? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I want to be exceptional. Lean in on this. When you're close to God, that's exceptional people. When you're close to God, you're able to hear from God. Revelation. Which makes yourself available to receive from God protection and provision. I'll say that again, because we have some exceptional people in here. So I know y'all want to hear that twice. When you're close to God, you're able to hear from God. Revelation. Which makes, you, which makes yourself available to receive from God protection and provision. Pastor Myron, what do you mean? Revelation. That's the disclosure of divine or sacred reality or purpose to humanity. God's Disclosure. When I'm close to someone, I can hear them. The reason why all the other people of the world, they ended up judgment coming upon them is because they wanted to live their lives away from God, but they still wanted God's protection and provision. There are a lot of times we want what God has but we don't want to walk close to him. When I'm going to the mall when my kids were young, if they were smart, they're going to stick by mom and daddy. If you're not, you're going to wander off and get lost. I think some of us want to take chances and say, well, mom and dad, I know my way. I'm going here and there, but then we're stuck crying in the middle of clothes in the middle of nowhere, and mom and dad can't find you, and then you're crying because you're calling back for mom and dad. I'm telling you, you don't have to go wander. You can just walk on the side of dad, and dad will take you where you need to go. He'll take you. Revelation. Revelation. Revelation is God giving us the mysteries that other people can't hear. Because if I'm not guided in the spirit, if I'm not walking in the spirit, I can't hear what God has for me. God wants to give you a little secret. Who, who wants the secret? God is telling Noah, hey, Noah, in 120 years, I'm going to judge. You better get prepared. While the other people partying. They're doing their thing. They're out in the world. They're doing whatever they want to do. God said, hey, Noah, something's coming. I, I'm going to do something to these people. But Noah, I have favor for you. He's given Noah the secrets. Who likes secrets? Who wants to know the secrets? You want to know what's going on, right? I want to know God's secrets. God, hey, give me all the secrets so I can start preparing. Most theologians or Bible scholars, they don't even believe that rain ever hit the earth until the flood. They don't believe they even noticed, they even saw rain because in Genesis, the ground was getting watered from underneath. It was a mist and the mist watered the plants and the vegetation. 
So a lot of scholars believe they, they didn't even know what rain was. So when Noah's tell, telling them that rain's coming, they're probably looking at Noah a little bit. What? Is this, the, is this guy crazy? Oh, he's nuts. You, you, these church folks are crazy. They always over spiritualizing something. Ain't nothing happening. Right? But God had revelation. God in his revelation also told Noah, go, Noah, I want you to build an ark and I want you to make it 450 feet high, long rather, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Can, can we get a picture of a, just a, a sample of what the ark would look like? Can we get that? I, I wanted y'all just to see. This is what, this is a replica. This is out in Kentucky, y'all. This is not, this is not Noah's actual ark. <laughs> But, but it's a replica. And I want you to see 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. And, and some scholars say it took Noah about 20 to 40 years to build this. Look at this. Noah and his sons. I want you to understand that it takes faith to build. Especially when you're in the minority Especially when nobody's coming on your side. Nobody was coming with Noah to build because they didn't believe him. So Noah had to have faith in God to believe God's words. I'm just encouraging our church is that you build even if nobody else is building. You build. You build the kingdom of God. It takes courage to build because people are going to criticize you. People are going to say something's wrong with you. It takes time to build. It took Noah between 20 to 40 years to build something. A lot of us start, but we don't finish because we don't see. Noah didn't see. Noah didn't see the floods. It was 120, but he kept on building. God, I believe that something is coming because you said it. I'm sure everybody else was saying, Noah, you don't know what you're talking about. We, there's no rain. What are you talking about? You're just talking about ghost spirits and all this stuff. And Noah said, no, I got a word from God. I got a word from God, so I'm going to believe God's word. God said, I will use you and your family for my purpose of recreating the earth. Just follow my instructions. The one thing about building is that God prepares you. Huh? He brings some pre preparation for you, and God gives you a whole master plan. This is what I have for you. I have the vision for you. I just need you to do the work. Who's ready to do the work? No, no. Hold, hold up. Hold up. That's weak. I, can, can your pastor be a little honest with you, huh? I, because when it's time to do the work, I get excited because God has given me a work, and I get to do it. I get, I get purpose. And, and I tell you, I'm pumped up today, and I want to know who is ready to do the work. Huh? There's protection when you're in close proximity to God. Hmm? Psalm 18, 13, he shields all who take refuge in him. He shields all who take refuge in him. I want you to understand that building is worth it. The ark protected Noah. I want you to listen to this. Noah was in that ark for 370 days. Can y'all imagine being stuck with some animals? Stuck, and hey, some of y'all saying, I'm not the animal, stuck with my spouse. 
I'm not saying that. Y'all saying that. Come on, me and my wife, we come all day long. Make it five years. Hmm? That's wisdom, y'all. Y'all better, y'all better learn something, men. <laughs> but listen, in the ark was protection because he was protected and he was safe from all the external elements. Rain's coming down. Flood water's going all over. But Noah and his family, safe. It's amazing when you start building for God, you start building in your family, and safety starts to come. It's amazing what happens when you're building for God, you're close to God, and then there's peace in your home. It's amazing when you start building for God and love starts to resonate in your home. It's, ana- it's amazing when you start building for God. And you know what you want to do? You, you're ready to go back home. You're excited to go back home and spend some time with your wife and your kids and your family. You get excited because you start building for God. God starts bringing his supernatural protection that man can't do for you. Look at Genesis uh, 8.1. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. This is important. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. God made the wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. Now, in Hebrew, the word for for wind is ruach. Ruach means God's breath, Wind or spirit. So God sent his wind from the physical sense and it stopped all the commotion on the the external commotion. I want you to understand in the spiritual sense, God sends Ruach, his spirit upon us and can stop all the external commotion that's going on that we're focused on. And God can bring peace to you. Huh? Just like God brought peace to Noah from a physical sense, it wasn't just the wind physically that God was breathing on, but God was breathing on Noah's family and there was peace during the storm. The wind, the spirit, God's breath. And look, this is something that benefited me and you. God also made a covenant with Noah. Okay, let's look at Genesis 9, verses 12 through 15. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send the clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds And I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. I'm telling you today that we're safe because of that covenant. No no more. God spoke his word and his word does not return void. This world, this earth will never again 
be flooded in terms of destroying all vegetation, all animals, human beings. It will never happen again. And all you have to do to remember that is look in the sky when that rainbow comes. That rainbow represents one thing. It represents God's covenant. It represents God's covenant. Are you with me? When I'm talking about building and I'm talking about us coming together as a church family to build, you heard the announcements about small groups. Well, small groups are simply us building godly relationships with your family because we're family, right? And it's important that God protects your family from these external elements, the news, politics, the enemy, division, race, sexuality, that the world is trying to what, speak into our lives. Getting into a small group, and we're talking about Jesus Christ, and the small groups are founded on the foundation of Jesus Christ, right? We help our family. We build something special. And it's also reminding our family of the new covenant with Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, we have eternal life in him. And in small groups, we're reminding our family of that. Do you see the importance of building? It's not just in Noah's day where we're building a physical ark. Y'all, we are building the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's the rule and the reign of God. And God has given we as believers a responsibility to build. We should be excited about that. I guarantee if Noah didn't build that ark, what would have happened? No protection. No provision. If we don't build what God wants us to build, no protection. No provision. Now, I know we, God, give me, give me, give me, give me. But I don't want to be an entitled Myron Guillory. I don't want to be entitled. God, I'm walking in your ways because I love you. I'm walking in your ways. I'm going to keep building, God, because I know at the end, God, the reward is for me, God. I'm going to keep building because my family will be rewarded by that, God. And I'm not just talking monetary. I'm talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I'm talking about the, just the mysteries that God has for us. There's some special things God has for his children. And then there's provision. That's the needs that can only be met by God. Jan Greenwood said this, when God gives us the vision, he gives us the provision. God instructed Noah to build, to bring food in the ark. Think about this. God instructed him to bring enough food in the ark so that he can not only feed his family, but also feed the animals. Because God was concerned about recreation. Isn't that amazing? When I look at small groups, it invites us to the table and it allows us to feast on Jesus, who's the bread of life. Now, Pastor Mike, why, why are you putting the plug in for small groups? Because small groups, honestly, I, I'm a benefactor of small groups. I was going to the Lafayette campus. I was moving from Virginia, just got out of coaching. A little down because I got out of coaching. I knew I needed to get out of coaching, but I was still down because I didn't feel that I reached my fullest potential in coaching. 
But God said, I have something else for you. My wife convinced me to go to a small group. I didn't want to go. I just said yes. I was just trying to be a nice husband. <laughs> I, I said yes. And once I got into a small group, the, the relationship that was built in that small group, I still have those same relationships today. One of those relationships is with Pastor Nick. That's one of them. I've had several relationships. But, but in that, the one thing that small groups does is that I, I was a man who didn't feel satisfied because I thought that as a man, I, it was something more for me to accomplish. And you know what small groups brought to me? The small groups got me closer to Jesus. And I found out that Jesus is enough for me. I, I found out that I would never thirst or ever go hungry if I'm in Jesus's arms. Now, I didn't know that even though I'd been brought up in church the whole time, I needed people in my group to see some things in me because God had to reveal some things to them about me so that they can speak into my life. And I had to be able to receive it because all God was doing was giving me his what? His protection and his provision. So I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't signed for, uh, up for small groups, we're going to let you know when that's going. But as leaders, if you've led small groups before or if you want to lead small groups before, at the end of service, just, just go out there. Let them know I, I, I'm making myself available because I want to build. I want to continue to build the kingdom of God. I care about Opelousas. I care about St. Landry Parish. I care about our kids. I care about our schools. I care about our church. I want to build and God can use you. But listen to this. Noah, Noah was hit with the same waters as everyone else in the world, but his experience and outcome were drastically different. Man, that's crazy to me. A, a, a lot of times when you're walking close to God, you respond differently from what other people respond. Huh? The, the favor of God was on Noah and he walked in close proximity to God. Therefore, his sons and their wives, they were protected. Same water, different response, different outcome. I want you to understand that when you're walking close to God, there'll be some things that hit you because, listen, just because you're a Christian, there'll still be trouble in the world. But you have an understanding who's your protector and who's your provider. So you respond. That's not it. You, you, you're going to have some fear. It's human nature. That's just you in a fallen world. But your fear will it'll shift when you start to think about your creator and say, oh, it won't overcome you. It, it will not overcome you because you're going to respond differently because you know that God is on your side. It's amazing when you start to understand who God truly is in your life. I'm telling you, church, proximity to Jesus is everything. I, I I can't tell you enough. Proximity to Jesus is everything. And I also want you to know that even today, because of Noah's faithfulness, we're still benefiting. We're, we're benefiting because of Noah way back when, because of his faithfulness. Let's look at Genesis 9, verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, what? Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. We're here today because of whom? If you don't believe me, let's go to verse 18. The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan. 
From these three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. You know what happens? Noah and his sons, those sons would disperse different places, their families. That's how we have nations now, and that's how races were formed. Okay? But I want you to understand, family, who did we come from? We came from who? Adam and Eve. God had to destroy the world because humans were acting a little bit off. And so God had to, he did a recreation. He gave man a second chance, and now it's Noah and his sons. So we came from Noah's three sons. So why are we acting like we're not brothers and sisters sometimes? Why do we act so different, like, like we're so different? I, I want you guys to, I'm going to say a statement, it's going to be on the screens, and I want you to take a picture of it, and I want you to remind yourselves when your mind starts to just wander off. Your bloodline goes back further than your skin line. Nah, take your cameras out. It's okay. We'll give you time. We'll give you time. You know why we're doing this? This is our story. Because on Ancestor.com, it only takes you to a certain place. If I got mine, my sister's been trying to do it for my older sister for years. Where did, where, where did we come from? I mean, we, we don't know. Then I, I think maybe the best guess could be we're somewhere in West Africa, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in Africa. Obviously. But you might do your Ancestry.com. You might be from Europe. You might come from Asia. But what the devil would love for us to do is just to continue to divide us and continue to let us focus and think that that's our history. That's the best thing for us. Okay? Because when you start thinking about your skin line, there's divisions. You start to see all the differences in us. But you know what happens when you go back further to Adam and Eve and you go back to Noah and his three sons and you see bloodline? You start to see that blood is red. You start to go back to what Pastor Eugene was talking about with DNA, 99.6%, we are all the same. But skin line keeps us focusing on the 0.04% and we stay stuck in that. And you know who's happy about that? Satan, because he loves division. Satan loves confusion. Hey, you know who was the happiest that God had wiped out the whole earth? Satan was, what? He must have been jumping all down the earth. He was happy about it. But then God comes back, comes back and surprises Satan like, hold, hold, hold up. I'm still saving somebody. So you can stop all that hollering. You can stop all that celebrating because I'm st I still have a plan. My ultimate plan is that the son of God, my son's going to come to this earth and he's going to forgive the people of their sins. And you know what? You might bruise his heel, but he's going to step on your head. And, and, and how he's going to do that is going to be through his crimson blood. His blood, which wipes away sin. His blood, which brings us forgiveness. And so what, the enemy doesn't want us in this room. He doesn't want this room looking like this room. 
The enemy wants to keep us dividing. So the enemy comes back and bring tactics and he comes through race. He comes through politics. He comes through news because division will keep the people riled up and it'll keep them going against God. But God says, no, I got a better plan. That's crimson blood. I want to keep you reminding you of that. That's why we keep going back to our story. And I didn't say my story. I didn't say my people's story. I said our story. And you know what? It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's everybody in this room, and the enemy can't take it. And I'm going to tell you today, because he can't take it, he's got some things brewing up that's going to come in our, in the future, and he's going to try to divide us again. I want to know where do you stand? Are we faithful like Noah? And it doesn't matter what the majority says. The people in the kingdom of God, we're not going to sway. We're going to stand firm on the word of God and we're going to say, you're my brother. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my sister. I love you. You're my sister. I'm not going to allow the enemy to come on in here and keep causing division in our minds because I'm telling you that there are some demonic spirits that's out there that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy what God has put forth on this earth. But you know what, Appaloosas? You're building. And when you're building, you start preparing. And when you're prepared, you're prepared for the storm. Storm's coming. Huh? Storm's coming. But, but you old world, you're not going to bring me there. Because I'm going to invite Jesus to the world. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're going to convict the hearts of people in the world and their minds are going to be renewed. Today, there's someone in here, your mind is being renewed. Today, there's someone here, you're getting a little uncomfortable. There's someone here that's like, I don't like this message too much. But some of the best messages that I had in my lifetime are the ones that disturbed my soul. I, I walked out of church kind of angry at the minister. Who is he to start talking all that stuff? As long as the message is based on the word of God, stand on it. If I say anything that goes against the principles of God, Hey, I need to be, I need to be rebuked. Okay? So allow messages that kind of punches you on the side or makes your wife want to punch you on the side. <laughs> allow those messages to come back and convict you. Because I'm telling you, when you have a renewed mind, all the fear that comes up, there are different types of fear that comes up. You, you get fear of, yeah, I'm, be, I'm scared because I'm going to die. But there's fear also of losing your position, you, losing your power, losing your influence. That's fear that hits man, that causes man to act up and start judging one another. And starts taking us to a place that we don't need to go because God never assigned us to go there. Can, can the Holy Spirit just minister to us today? And speak to us in a way our hearts will be open to receive. Because when we receive from God, we get the revelation of God. I'm telling you, there's protection from this world. 
There's provision that comes in this world, but you have to open your heart to receive it and stand in close proximity to Jesus Christ. When you start walking away from God, you start listening to all type of things that message your mind. And you know why I can say that? Because I was one of them. I can say that because, you know what, growing up a lot of times in Big Mamu, Louisiana, Lake Charles, Louisiana, all the places I go, there are some, minor- some majorities in my brain talking to me and they started to shift me going this way and the, sink- and the-, and the whole ship started to sink. I had to come back and have somebody speak to me again so I can get anchored on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ grounded me so those voices, I don't hear them. I want to hear the still small voice of Jesus so I can be grounded on his word so I can make a difference for my family. I can make a difference for God's church. I can make a difference for God's kingdom. Come on church, can we give God some praise? I'm going to end with this. Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39. This is very important. Jesus talking. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it would be when the Son of Man comes. Are we going to be like the people or are we going to be like Noah? Building, preparing, getting things ready, bringing my family on board. When When we were given the discussion questions, my wife and I said, no, 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 we are doing this. We're going to build. My kids need it. My son, my daughter, but baby, we need it. We've got to build. It takes time. 20 to 40 years for Noah. Building is our whole life. It's not always, it's not, it's not fast like we want it, but there's progress. God, I wish my kids would do this right now. God, I wish my kids would get off of drugs, addiction. I wish my kids would serve God. I wish my wife would stop saying this. I wish my husband was this. I wish the church would stop. Just keep building. I, I don't need to come in complaining. Because I know this is a fallen world. I I let God judge those things. Paul says we're going to judge people in the church, but outside, that's God's. We'll judge one another, but it's by the fruit that we bear, the family. But I'm not not going to judge people out there. That's, That's God's job. God just wants me to keep building. Take that hammer out. Take the wood out. Some translations said it was cedar, wood. Pine, whatever the wood was, go for wood, what they said. I just, just keep on building. And, and with Noah, my family, I'm, yeah, y'all gonna come by me. We, we just gonna build. In the house of God, instead of us worrying about divisions and going this way, somebody's trying to build on that side of the ark, that side of the ark, let's come together and let's build together. 
Let, let's stop all the foolishness that the enemy's trying to do. Opelousas, the enemy's in trouble. You, you know why? Because I, I think in this room, I think in our city, we have some open hearts. We're tired. We're tired of the enemies trying to divide us. We're, we're tired of the enemy speaking in our minds. And the majority, the majority in our circles are speaking to us. They're talking to us and they're confusing us, making us angry, making us not want to be around one another. I think we're tired. And so you know what God is doing? God is right now, he's just speaking to our hearts. He's convicting us. He's renewing our minds. So he's preparing us like he prepared Noah. He's preparing us before it even happens so that when it happens, we're protected and we have provision for it. And you know what? The enemy can't do anything to us. I, I think you're doing that. I I'm not just talking from the stage. It's not just the staff. It's not just the pastors. But I think it's the people. The Son of Man is coming, and we're going to be prepared. The Son of Man is coming. So, God, we're going to, we're going to build, and, and, and that overflow is going to affect families all over this world because of you. Not, not that person in New York City. Yeah, but, but. St. Landry Paris, Opelousas. Ooh, Eunice, uh, Prairie Ron, Lartel, Evangelist Paris, Bella Cole. So what can we take from the story of Noah and the flood? Live a life that's pleasing to God. See, right when Noah got off of the ark, after the 370 days, he remembered God. He had a burnt offering, and it says that that burnt offering, the aroma was pleasing to God. It's not talking about the, just the physical smell. God's not like me and you. It was about God was pleased, and it was pleasing the worship. Noah gets off of 370 days of chaos being protected by God, and the first thing he does is worship God. Sweet smelling. What do we learn from the story? God is always faithful even when we're unfaithful. What do we learn? Remember God, keep telling your family about our story. Because the more I tell my children, about where they truly came from is the more they'll have an understanding of the big God. And when they have an understanding of the big God, my children will be way more informed than I was as a kid. They won't be influenced by, my, by the surroundings on what they see and some of the prejudices that you go through and that the prejudices that I had. Because this is a boat way issue. Hmm? And then God comes in and he starts to touch the heart. And then he gives you children. And then God said, hey, you better remember me. I'm telling church today, we're going to remember God. God is good. God is good, church.
Keep building. Remember God. There's someone right now, and I want your, all your eyes, all eyes closed and heads bowed. Someone in the room that's starting to remember what God has done in their lives. There's someone in the room that's come to the determination that the Holy Spirit has driven you to a point that you need God. Maybe the message convicted you. Maybe it was a friend outside of church convicted you. Maybe it was a time you're thinking of and you're being reminded of things going on in your mind right now that convicted you. And you're saying right now, I, I, I need to be close to Jesus. I, I need God's protection and provision. And God wants to protect you from you, yourself, your sins. He wants to forgive you of your sins. And the scriptures say all you have to do is believe. Believe that he's our Lord and Savior and that God raised him from the dead. It's simple. It's not about what you do. It's about what you believe. Once you believe, you start doing. Amen. So if there's anybody today and you want a personal relationship with God, you want to be born again, not physically, but spiritually. Nobody's watching. Can you put your hands up? Wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for these bold people all across the room that want to receive Jesus as their savior. And so what we're gonna do, we're gonna join our faith with theirs. We're gonna pray this prayer. And we're going to join our faith that God is going to continue to move in their life. When they raised their hands, when they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it's instant. Holy Spirit is there with you. Holy Spirit is in you. You're born again. Let's repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. But you rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin because I'm now born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my Comforter. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise.